Hello and welcome to Westside Unscripted. This is the podcast where the pastors loosen their ties, throw away their notes, and answer questions about all things theology and culture. I'm Josh Bartels, a deacon here at Westside, and I am joined by Pastor Peter Montoro, our preaching pastor. So contrary to what you might think, Pastor Peter does not always read. Sometimes he listens to things, and he has brought a podcast uh, recommendation for us today. So what, what do you have? Two podcasts. Two podcasts. They go together. Okay. Conversation. So I've, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned uh, from this podcast before. Uh, so I've mentioned, I, I know I've mentioned Alistair Roberts. I yes, don't always yeah, agree with him, yeah. but I'm a, like, I really find him, find him uh, interesting to listen to, especially on, on some issues. And he did two podcasts recently. Uh, I guess it was last month. Social media and the lack of boundaries with some reference to Tim Keller. And then the follow-up, Skin, Strongholds, and the Limits of a Culture War Mindset. And I just found them very insightful, thoughtful about really the way that finding our identity, um, you know, because Alistair has an active presence on social media. I don't, um, but he does. And so he's not like, you know, everybody get off social media. But what he's really pushing against, and he's talked about this before, but I just found these like really, really just like insightful um, uh, discussions. Um, about how finding how that uh, deriving your identity from your social media tribe is tremendously distortive of the real good that we're called to do, um, and so he just is giving some some references to how that takes place, um, and how uh, you know just how it can distort our mission as Christians, and how actually it can blind us to the real good like that we think we're being really we think we're being really strong or whatever, and that actually it can blind us to the real strength that we're called to have um, and actually to the good that we can do and sort of painting everyone as sort of a uh, really one of the one of the things he emphasizes is how when we see someone as an instantiation of an ideology rather than a human being, you know, we may be reading onto them um, lots of things they don't actually hold. I mean, I've seen this even just in an interpersonal level, um, trying to persuade people of things. And I like know all the arguments and I assume like those are the reasons someone is holding on to something, you know, and uh, well, even just in my marriage, um, when Ashley and I first got married, I was like trying to persuade her of all the differences, you know, of opinion that I knew that I had with her background. Um, but actually, that wasn't going very well. Um, and I realized like what I needed to do was be a good husband um, and build uh, confidence. And that, you know, bringing all this arguments up was just bringing frustration. So I learned that pretty quickly, very soon after we got married, and it's, it's gone much better since then. <laughs> um, but how that can be played out, you know, when we just see everyone is, you know, and that, that runs contrary to the examples we see in Scripture, like uh, Obadiah in, um, you know, uh, who was in Ahab's, Ahab's court, and yet uh, he was able to save prophets in a way that Elijah couldn't. Elijah could get rid of the prophets of Baal, but he couldn't preserve the prophets of the Lord, and Obadiah was placed uh, in, in, a, in a way that he could. Um, and God had both an Elijah and an Obadiah, um, or Daniel, you know, who's working in the king's court. Um, and yet the, you know, the, the commander of the eunuchs is actually willing to work with him because he's been workable with. Um, mm -hmm. And I was just reading this morning, actually, I think it's Acts 23, uh, where you know, the captain of the guard is willing to listen to Paul's nephew and save Paul's life. If Paul had immediately gone like, you know, full empire critique to the, you know, centurion, he may not have been willing to listen to Paul's nephew, um, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's a, a some, of, some of that, like to stand for the truth, but to stand for the truth in a way that does the good that we can do um, and recognizes right. 
anyway, so there was, there's a lot yeah, more, there's a lot I think, more of that. I think to take that uh, illustration from the scriptures directly back to what you were saying uh, in regards to the finding your identity in your tribe is that if Paul had seen in the guard an instantiation of the empire where I don't like you because you represent everything that I don't like about the oppressiveness of the empire, then there wouldn't have been that kind of influence on the guard right there. And so I think that this is where what you're talking about is that you see people see in one police officer the instantiation of a broken system, or they see in one uh, boy from the hood an instantiation of an entire crime wave. Exactly. And it's it's like, no, no, actually, you don't know anything about, at a glance at least, anything about what that particular police officer or that particular right. boy from the hood, and you have to get to know them as humans to know where they stand. And some people are objectively worth like fighting against but you can't know that from the color of a kid's skin and what he's wearing or the uniform that a man is wearing exactly yeah and 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 by you know taking that like you know and sometimes we think we're being strong but we're actually just trying to protect ourselves but actually just the dynamics of social media make us psychologically fragile so that everything you know, he's like, you know, one of the illustrations he's used is like some people have every Sunday ruined because they read David French's essay and it ticks them off. And they, <laughs> he's just like, you don't have to read David French's essay if it ticks you off. Like, you know, um, I, I mean, just I, for explanation, because most people oh, that right, are listening sorry, probably sorry. don't know. David French is a columnist who comes out with an article, his own personal kind of, I guess, yeah, uh, French press, opinion, whatever. Yeah, opinion piece every Sunday. And uh, he tends to say things that end up making the rounds in terms of uh, getting right. responses to. So it just, it's one of those it's things right. that people could get yeah. mad about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Sorry. I, sh- I should have, should have, should have yeah. given that clarification. <laughs> I should not assume that everyone would know that. Yeah. Um, but just that sort of thing that yeah. like when we actually live like healthy human beings and we're not so fragile, then we actually can, you know, are equipped to engage with what we can engage with rather yeah. than. So that's. And, and what we need to engage with, like it takes a lot of emotional work to regularly be that openness takes emotional uh, strength, right? The openness exactly. to listen to people, to consider that you could be wrong, to try to weigh out the the options, that's hard and difficult work. And uh, we have to learn to be strong by either, whatever it looks like, that's the kind of strength we're supposed to have. Yeah, and, and what, we, what he's really calling people to do is to spend time doing normal things like reading the Bible and talking about the Bible in ways whose agenda is not set by you know, whatever is going to stir up, con- you know, so spend some, <laughs> spend some time reading Ezekiel, um, yeah, you know, right. in ways that you're not just looking for ammunition, um, because yeah. you really want to be formed, you want to be formed by what is good, yeah, um, rather than just reactive, because that's not a healthy place to be. Yeah. So, gotta, anyways. Gotta go to the, the not primal, primary, maybe, things of the good and the true and the beautiful for their own sake, going to them right. just to appreciate them and to be shaped by them, instead of... Right going to them to, you know, get the next. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're playing, if you're playing football, you may need to watch, you know, the team you're about to play against, you know, and and watch their replay videos or whatever, whatever their strategy is. I'm not a footballer, so I don't know exactly, Mm -hmm. you know, but you, you may do that. But if that's your training, you're going to be creamed on the field no matter how much you know about them. Yeah. Spend some time running and, you know. Yeah. What, what are they throwing? Hit the gym, throw, yeah. pass, receive, you know, basics. block. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you can't do the basics, then then that's going to. Yeah. Yeah. So you've brought uh, as a topic of conversation today, we're going to talk about a textual variant. It's and that sounds variant. big and scary. Maybe if you don't know what that word is or I don't know. But 
uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. So what what do you, what do you got? So in the King James, uh, you have, uh, but I so Matthew five twenty two. This is actually the text I'm preaching on on Sunday, and I don't want to talk about it in the sermon. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I'm going to talk about it here, uh, and then I will mention in the sermon that I recorded a podcast about it. Um, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. And of course the text goes on from there, and uh, that's the King James. And then uh, I should have had this uh, pulled up, but I'm going to pull it up right now. Do you want ESV reading? Yes. I can read it. Okay, 22? It. Is it just 22 that you're Yeah, reading? just verse okay. 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to hell of fire. So obviously there's something missing, as it were, in the ESV reading. Uh, that what the, There's a word that King James translates as without cause, um, and that's missing in the ESV and pretty much any modern translation uh, except for the New King James, which consciously follows the text of the King James. Now, as a lot of you know, um, I'm, you know, typically I'm going to follow the text that's beneath the ESV most of the time. But this is actually a case where I think the text underlying the King James is right. Um, but it's really a good case to, like, look at how, how evidence matters, and it's really a good teaching opportunity. So to sort of walk, I mean, this was one that got, you know, we, we, I'm sure you, did you ever hear about this variant? I don't know that I have, no. Okay, so, I mean, this was something I heard about that, you know, whosoever is angry with his brother, um, Jesus was angry, and so therefore the modern translations, this is a deliberate attack on the deity of Christ. Mm. Um, mm. So I heard that repeatedly, saw that in literature, you know, this is a deliberate attack on the deity of Christ, you know, this is, this is, um, you know, this is why modern versions, like, I, I remember distinctly this particular textual variant being pointed to um, as... So the idea is, is that they're, they're trying to change the rule so that then Jesus is guilty of sin. Yes, exactly. So that then he no longer right. is the perfect... And so this God. is definitely the work of Satan. Um, and of course, so, so for full clarity, you know, in the ESV there'll be a footnote, uh, I, I forget the exact wording, but it says something like, you know, in some manuscripts it has... Do you have access to the footnote there? I do. I don't have them turned on. Give me a second, but I will pull it up. Uh, and so, so that was what I heard. And so then if you read... Um, uh, so I guess, let me finish. Let me, but yeah, the, the footnote says, some manuscripts insert without cause. Right. So it's in Greek. You have one word. The Greek word is uh, iki. Uh, and I think, actually, the translation that I would go with rather than without cause would be something more specific, because obviously everyone, you know, if that's what Jesus is saying, it's... Everyone has a cause. Yeah, everyone has angry. a cause. Yeah. But I think maybe the sense of, and the sense that most would take it would be without true right, but that'd be the way I would translate it as well. Um, and so first I want to respond to the idea that this is a deliberate attack on the deity of Christ. If that was, then every manuscript is an attack on the deity of Christ because it doesn't say without cause when it talks about calling someone a fool. Jesus calls the scribes and the Pharisees fools. Mm, Paul calls yeah. the Galatians fools. Um, so if every single time, you know, so if, if, According to that, according to a reading of the text in which the addition or omission of this word is an attack on the deity of Christ, then there's a whole lot of passages that are an attack on the deity of Christ, and yeah. really, that's that sounds like a really strong position to take, but it actually undermines, um, it just undermines the scriptures, and it's just a bad reading, um, yeah. you know. So I think with or without that word, even though I think it should be included uh, for reasons I'll get into in a minute, with or without that word, if you read the passage in context, 
um, and you read the passage, this, this is what the sermon will be about, you read the passage in its Old Testament context of the command against murder, you see that what's being condemned is unjustified anger. With that, that word makes it clearer, but without it, the context is clear enough. And that's, you know, one of the things that, why I think this is a good teaching opportunity is here's something that at least was presented to me that I heard and believed at the time as something that's a really clear theological problem. Mm, yeah. And actually a contextual reading <laughs> deals with a theological problem right. one way or the other. Uh, and so I think that's just something really important sometimes on the face of it. Um, I've seen this so many times, something that seems like a massive theological issue. If you read both in context, you're going to come to the same meaning. Yeah, um, right. and I think that's really important as a baseline. Um, but if you read commentaries, almost every commentary or textual commentary is going to say, well, clearly this edition was meant to soften Jesus's teaching. Um, so this is an early edition um, that's meant to soften Jesus's teaching because it's too strong, and, and some scribe thought it should be, you know, easy, uh, a little bit, so tone it down a bit. So that's clearly the motivation for the textual change. Um, there's a problem with that, though. So I guess I should talk about sort of the manuscripts, right? So mm -hmm. the word is missing in the earliest couple of manuscripts, but it's present in the vast majority of manuscripts. Um, but there's actually some uh, discussion in the early church. And Josh, you jump in if I'm saying anything that's sure, confusing. Yeah, yeah, I will. Um, there's some discussion in the early church, which I should have brought with me, um, about this variant. Uh, so Origen talks about it, um, and it seems like, so you have Jerome and Augustine talk about it, but they seem to all be going back to Origen's first comment. But the assumption has been that Jesus' teaching was hard, so someone softened it. But the problem is, from Origen's point of view and Jerome's point of view, the problem wasn't, the theological problem wasn't um, with Jesus being angry. The problem was with Jesus, or the problem wasn't with Jesus' teaching being too difficult. The problem was any possibility for righteous anger at all. So they thought you should put away all anger, uh, whatsoever. So they weren't interested in softening Jesus's teaching, but in making it more stringent. Okay. So clearly they, they, they and it's, it's very obvious, they saw the theological problem working the other way. So okay. the evidence that there's someone out there in the early church who's trying to soften Jesus's teaching, there's just no one. Like right. I've read... I read so, to, so to summarize that, some, pe some people would say that the addition of the without cause is to say, we're softening Jesus's teaching because Jesus is saying, you just shouldn't be angry ever. And that, and that the without cause allows you to be angry. Is that, that's the softening argument. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And then on the other side, from Jerome's point of view and Origen's point of view, they're saying that to put the without cause, uh, or they're saying it should be the other way around. It is should be, the without cause should be dropped. So they talk about it. They think without right. cause should be dropped because they think that's a, a you know, making Jesus' teaching too liberal or whatever. Uh, but there's no one, so there's no one who sees Jesus' teaching as a problem. I see. Yeah, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Uh, like, uh -huh. like they're concerned, yeah. they're concerned by its inclusion. They're not concerned by its exclusion. Yeah, right. And, um, and so th if that makes sense. Right. So like this, these, this group of people that are really bothered by Jesus' teaching just isn't there. The actual tendency, if it was intentional, would have been the other way around, to drop it. Okay. Um, mm. Now, I don't think it's an intentional change either way. Mm. And here's, here's where uh, some work that's happened recently becomes really helpful, is that we can look now. Um, so there's, a, there's, this textual there's this data set. It's called, it's a German name. It's called Text und Textwort. Um, and what they did is they went through and they looked at these, these, test, these passages, certain passages they picked, like 64 for Matthew, and they looked at every single manuscript. 
Hmm. So you can see what every single manuscript reads um, in Matthew 5.22 at that, at that particular word. Um, they, they just did it for like these, these few places, but that's one of the places they did it for. Um, and so what you can see is that there are later Byzantine manuscripts, like later manuscripts that have no relation to those early manuscripts that have the same omission. They drop that icky again. So manuscripts that it's, there's no possibility just given the context that they're adding or changing the text. They're just copying. Mm-hmm. But because of the data, you can see they're copying from manuscripts that had it and they omit it. That's the key point. Okay, wow. Which means that in that case, those later manuscripts, it has to be accidental. Mm-hmm. Which means if we know that this could be accidentally dropped in the process of copying, is there any reason to assume that it wasn't accidentally copied early and just happens to be absent in these earliest manuscripts because we have a demonstrated, we know, for, so we, you know, right. anything else is speculation. We're speculating some scribe found it objectionable and, and dropped it, or some scribe, you know, found Jesus' teaching objectionable and added to it. Well, we don't know that, you know. I, right. But what we do know is that a scribe who was just copying <laughs> dropped it. Uh, and in fact, if you look at the text, you'll see that there's a, um, there's four times in 521 and 22, uh, let me just, you have uh, shall be in danger, which in Greek is enikos esta. Um, so you have shall be in danger, uh, shall be in danger, shall be in danger, shall be in danger. Mm-hmm. So you have that. So it's two words. Both of them start with the same letter in Greek. Um, and you have those two words, that sequence, four times in those two verses. One time, it's different, where it includes the iki, which also starts with, with e. So it's really easy when you're copying a phrase like that four times and one of them is different to make the one that's different look like the ones that are the same. Because you, you have the phrase in verse 21, shall be in danger of the judgment. Uh, and then you're coming, without a cause shall be in danger. Now, those are two separate clauses in English, but in Greek, it's just three words. And they all start with the same letter, but it, it would be pretty easy to drop it. We know that it was dropped. Like you can demonstrate it was dropped accidentally mm-hmm. later on. So why not just think of it as being dropped accidentally all along? There's only a very few manuscripts that drop it um, and they're sort of scattered. It's not like manuscripts that are related to one another. It's like manuscripts that are not closely related at all, mm. which makes it really likely it happened more than once. Right. So if something happened more than once, it's not someone softening or harshening mm-hmm. Jesus' teaching more than once. That's wildly implausible. Yeah. Um, it's but, a simple... But here we have a situation where there's even an explanation that... Basically, they're they're getting, they're in the rhythm of copying. Yes. And they read this line, and it says they're in danger. And then the next line, they're in danger. And the next line, he could be in danger, but he just says they're in danger. Or exactly, you know, it's that exactly. kind of yeah. thing would happen. And so they're just going with the pattern writing, and then they just miss it. Right. And so then it's dropped. So there's not there is an explanation even in terms of the copying itself yes. of why it could be dropped. Exactly. It happens on at different places at different times. It's very possible all these guys made the same mistake. It seems like a legitimate option to say that it just accidentally fell out of these manuscripts. Exactly. Um, and so that's, that's, that's what I'm saying is like something that initially, if you're just looking at the English text, or even if you're just looking at a few manuscripts, seems to be, well, obviously, it's a theological attack on Jesus's divinity or whatever, right. or obviously people found Jesus' teaching problematic, they just couldn't handle it, so they changed the text. You know, so on the one hand, it's, a, you know, it's an attack 
on the other hand, it's an orthodox corruption of trying to clarify what Jesus really meant, mm -hmm. um, when actually there's a better explanation that's a lot more banal, as it were, uh, but it actually makes sense. When you look at the whole spectrum of evidence, it makes sense, at least to me, and I, I've uh, corresponded with a few others about it as well. Um, you know, again, it's not that falls short of like full proof, but mm -hmm. I think the two things I want people to walk away, and the reason I thought this was a helpful teaching opportunity is one, what seems to be very theologically threatening. Um, actually, if you read the passage in context, you come to the same meaning. Right. You know, because the context because you constrains can't just, it. Exactly. You can't say that one can should not be angry ever, but you can also say, also must say that one cannot be angry for any cause regardless of how you read the, that text. Right, if exactly. you read it in context, you're going to come down to saying you have to be angry in the right way. And right. that's the only way you're, it's appropriate. Exactly. You know, because, because there's passages, and, and, and really that's tied to the Exodus command that in, you know, you can't say it's, you shall not, I talked about this in our series on Exodus, you shall not take, you know, so the, the specific thing that's condemned in the Ten Commandments um, is the taking of life when you're not authorized to do so, a life mm -hmm. that shouldn't be taken or a life that's taken by someone who doesn't have the right to take it. So even if someone's on death row, you don't have the right to just go and knock off all the prisoners on death row because they've right. been condemned to yeah. death. You haven't been appointed to that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we would call murder um, because it's an unlawful killing. Um, and so, you know, it's the same, it's that same, that same principle. And yet, you know, uh, the executioner is not committing murder when someone who's you know, appointed to death uh, is executed by someone who has the right to point them to death. In fact, God's word requires that. Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing, that's what I'm going to be talking about in the sermon. The same thing is true of our anger. And you can get that with or without the word. So the first takeaway is the context is stronger than the variant. Yeah. Um, right. And I really just wish people, that just lowers the temperature. Yeah. And the second thing is that, what's the second thing? So I think that one, the just to stay on that first point for a second, the uh, there isn't a there is a way of approaching the text that views it as a like as a, as a magical thing that if you get the phrase right, if you get the phrase of the spell right, then it works. Yeah. If you don't get the phrase of the spell right, well, then you've got to go rewrite it, or you know, you did you, need you, a new did, spell you, you yeah yeah you need a new spell, you need something something's wrong with it. Uh, but but that way is not how God intended the Bible to be read. The Bible is right. supposed to be read like a book is supposed to be read and understood like you would understand the words in language. Right. God knows that we communicate with language, and, and He created the language. <laughs> so it's it, like God has created the ability for us to understand things intelligibly with speech, and He's the one who confused the languages at Babel. So like. This is God's yeah. idea. Well, it's the most, the most famous, to, to riff on that, the most famous example of that is you have the wicked Bible that had thou shalt commit adultery. You know, but if you read, it, it <laughs> left the knot yeah. out in the adultery command, and, you know, they paid this huge fine. It was a ma massive scandal. King James Bible, the early King James, printing of the King James Bible called the wicked Bible. Um, and it was yet, just a printing error. At the, a printing yeah, error, printer's yeah. mistake. No one, no one had this intentional <laughs> yeah, agenda. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty bad printer's mistake, though. But <laughs> at the same time, um, if you read the whole Ten Commandments, no one was, I mean, I'm sure there were some people who took advantage of that to justify their previously existing desire to commit adultery, yeah. uh, but 
no one was actually confused. No, no. If you read the Ten Commandments as a whole, it's clear you, you would supply. In fact, I bet a lot of people read it and didn't even notice. I mean, clearly, yeah. clearly the 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 person who was supposed to proofread the you know the copy read it and didn't notice it. Yeah, <laughs> so, a good example of the scribal errors right. showing and, up. And in so, printing. and I think that was the second thing that I was getting at is that a lot of times, you know, so first of all, reading in context, it's a lot less rated. Second of all, sometimes things that seem like well, obviously, don't hold up to the actual evidence. Yeah. And it's not just, and you know, I would say like King James onlyism does that, but I would also say sometimes modern scholars do that too. Uh, and so we want to be fair and equitable and actually deal with the evidence. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that just, you know, recognizes sometimes having more evidence is better. Um, that when you just, something that seems plausible when you're just looking at this, um, you know, narrow slice of the evidence or just a few early manuscripts, when you look at the whole spectrum of evidence, then you, you see other possibilities you may not have thought of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was interesting for me. I came, you know, I came expecting, I wasn't expecting that result uh, from, from reading it, but I just was looking at, looking at the evidence and I was like, well, what about that? And that took me down a little bit of a rabbit trail. Yeah, and I was, that's cool. I may be doing a blog post uh, about this, not on a church one, but a, like a text cool. criticism blog. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of those kinds of things in life we're going to encounter where people who know information who's who make it their business to study the scribal habits of people at different manuscripts are going to come and give us information that's going to kind of reshape our understanding of a particular text or understanding of a particular translation and that's where it comes back to what we were saying earlier about your tribe and being identified by the tribe instead of being willing to pursue truth. In the, exactly. in the face of uh, data, so in that same thing that happens in look in pre, kind of kind of uh, stereotyping people, we can uh, have presuppositions about a, a text or a any other object in the world that we don't understand, and uh, we have to be willing to be open to listen to accept truth where when proven wrong, and uh, go go with where uh, that takes us. Yeah, and just being a little bit less fragile then enables you to do that when. You, when your identity is formed by like real people that you know and real following the word of God, um, yeah, that right. that um, you know that makes you less right. You know, you're every every time you you know you don't catch every bug that there is. <laughs> you know, you have a skin, yeah, right. and that's uh, that Alistair likes to talk about. So, yeah, indeed. Well, this has been another episode of Westside Unscripted. Thank you for listening in uh, on today's conversation about this textual variant. And uh, we hope you join us Sunday to hear the sermon uh, here at Westside Baptist Church on Matthew 5, uh, 22, continuing Pastor Peter's series through Matthew. You can find all of those on our sister podcast, Bible Direction for Life, and uh, you'll be able to listen in on that series. If you have questions that you would like to have answered or discussed here on the podcast, you can send those to josh at bibledirectionforlife.com, and I will queue those up. We will tackle those in a future episode. So thanks again. God willing next week for more talk about theology and culture.